This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, June 26th. I'm Julia Caulfield. And I'm Gavin McGough. In today's headlines, high winds lead to fire danger in San Miguel County. At Pinion, piloting a new housing approach. Telluride Regional Airport is flying high. And a mountain weather forecast. San Miguel County is under a red flag warning. According to the National Weather Service, a red flag warning indicates warm temperatures, low humidity, and strong winds, leading to increased fire danger. San Miguel County is under the warning through 9 p.m. on Tuesday, but John Trosky, Fire Division Chief for the Telluride Fire Protection District, notes that warning is largely due to the wind rather than fuel moisture. Our fuels have not dried out. When you go out and walk in the fields, everything's green still, nothing's browned out. Our, our one-hour fuels, our grasses, are still maintaining a lot of moisture. Uh, the cheat grasses haven't changed color yet. Uh, we haven't seen any of the normal uh, drying trends that we would normally see at this time. We haven't seen any of that because of all the moisture that we've gotten in the heavy snowpack. Trosky says the region is roughly six weeks behind when it comes to typical drying trends. And he says with an El Nino projected this fall, Telluride can expect more moisture in the forecast. The long-range forecast that we get from the feds, from the federal government, shows that uh, we're still expecting more moisture this summer than, than usual. But that doesn't mean residents and visitors in San Miguel County can become lackadaisical when it comes to fire. Telluride Fire Protection District Chief John Bennett says it comes down to best practices. If you have a campfire, once you're completed with that, those coals need to be cold to the touch back of the hand. So stirring water in until those coals are completely out. Um, Being responsible campers. properly putting a cigarette out if you happen to be a smoker in the outdoors. Um, You know, being mindful of all those kinds of things. And again, it's just being, being a best, following those best practices, practices and being a steward of, of the environment. Besides health to the environment and air quality, a wet spring means good news for the 4th of July as well. At this point, minus safety, what we call a go, no go, Again, high winds, um, weather with electricity involved, I would say that uh, fireworks are on. San Miguel County, along with the majority of the western slope, is under a red flag warning through the evening of Tuesday, June 27th. America is short in estimated 6 million homes, and that crunch is apparent across Colorado. In urban centers such as Denver, the issue often comes down to building large-scale projects for the lowest-income individuals. Meanwhile, in resort areas like Telluride and Aspen, a strong tax base can subsidize housing projects for residents priced out of the overheated second-home marketplace. But then there's the rest of Colorado, which is primarily rural. So whether it's Norwood or Sterling or La Junta, these are places that all have an affordable housing crisis. Also, primarily not because of second homeowners or remote workers driving up prices, but because their housing stock is old and dilapidated. It was built 50, 60, 70 years ago, 
And it's impossible to recruit a teacher or a deputy sheriff to a community to live in a dilapidated home. That's Paul Major, manager of Rural Homes, a nonprofit organization founded a few years ago with the goal of developing innovative funding and building techniques to tackle that rural housing crunch. You're likely familiar with their first project, Pinion Park in Norwood, which began accepting residents this spring. Major describes Pinion as a sort of pilot program, testing out techniques and collaborations to build good homes efficiently and on a shoestring budget. You know, we're testing this. We're trying to, you know, evolve the model. Pinion Park was the first project, 24 homes. We started it sort of mid-late March in 2022, and our first homeowner moved in the first week in March of 2023. The model Rural Homes has launched at Pinion looks to cut costs and increase accessibility through a number of techniques. They partner with San Miguel County, which donated the land and helped develop a set of affordable housing deed restrictions. Rural Homes also rethought the construction process by turning to a factory. So building on site is the least efficient way to build housing. So factory-built homes, in other words, building a stick-built house in a factory, in a controlled environment, where you've got skilled laborers repeating the same process over and over again, you dramatically improve the quality, you reduce waste, reduce carbon, Um, You shift the whole labor uh, force issue. Now all that experimentation is behind them, at least at Pinion. The concept has become a reality and residents have arrived. The first residents moved in while construction was still finishing up. And Major admits arriving in a construction zone in the midst of a Norwood mud season was not always the homecoming some had envisioned. When we had our first homeowner move in in March, we were still, you know, finishing houses, grading, landscaping. And so, you know, the poor homeowners that moved in early, which they did want to move in, you know, they had to move into a construction area. Now the construction is near finished. You know, if you wanted to buy a house, you could literally, if you can get financing, uh, you know, your mortgage, you could move in the next day. And in fact, you still can. A half a dozen deed-restricted homes at Pinion Park are still available, although Rural Homes is currently working with interested buyers on a handful. Meanwhile, the organization is already forging ahead with housing projects in Ridgeway and Uray, which pull from lessons learned at Pinion. Here's Major. So there's just a lot of lessons to be learned, but that's the whole point of the pilot is to make all of this very transparent. Other communities can learn, the state can learn, we can learn, and then, you know, see if it can be replicated. Just how fast the pilot program in Norwood will take flight and how far it will go in Colorado and beyond is yet to be seen. But as the county and rural homes still work to fill up the Pinion neighborhood, the rural homes model is moving on to new projects across the region. Telluride's big snow year is trickling into summer. Business-wise, we are, sometimes you can have a little too much of a good thing. Uh, All the snow that we did get in uh, February and March did slow us down a little bit. We're running probably about... uh, just under 40% uh, compared to last year, which was a record year in terms of business in all aspects. But we're not that concerned. That's Kenny Mampa, manager of the Telluride Regional Airport. Mampa provided an airport update to Mountain Village Town Council earlier this month. 
While numbers are down from last year, Mampa notes they're still roughly equal to years in the past. Really, our only problem is we're just restricted with uh, not necessarily airplanes, but also uh, pilots. There's a, a shortage out there and there has been for a while. So uh, if we can just get more pilots into the system, uh, we're looking and always hoping for more destinations uh, and, and more frequency. Last year, the Telluride Airport hit a milestone of 10,000 enplanements for the year. That's the number of people getting on an airplane at the regional airport. By hitting that 10,000 number, MAMPA says the airport gets more funding from the Federal Aviation Administration. So they're working on updating the airport layout plan. And hopefully uh, what the results of that plan will be is that uh, starting in 2025, we're going to start embarking on some taxiways and some other uh, airport improvements. So we're looking forward to that. And that's all thanks to the uh, fact that our commercial service has uh, reached the uh, threshold of 10,000 employments that we got last year. Finally, the airport is moving forward with a new hangar. We call it our transient hangar for our guests that come in. The hangar will be geared towards private planes that currently drop off passengers, fly to a different airport, and then fly back to pick passengers back up. With the new hangar, the planes will be able to stay in Telluride for the duration of the guest's trip. It's about double the size of the one large hangar that we do have. And so... That will also include, it'll total be about almost uh, just under 40,000 square feet of space, 30,000 for aircraft storage. We're also going to take advantage of that and take care of some other needs like storage of our equipment, our snow removal equipment and what have you. So, and we'll have some offices and, and what have you. Mampa says he hopes the airport board will approve the design for the hangar by the end of this year with construction starting in spring 2024. The Telluride Regional Airport currently offers daily nonstop flights to Denver and Phoenix. Groundwater, wastewater, and cardiology, oh my. Add the phase changes of chocolate, an intro to ophthalmology, and a dash of entomology. And you've got the summer lineup for Pinhead Series Punk Science. Each week throughout the summer, the Pinhead Institute welcomes an expert in their field to offer a free, kid-friendly program to the entire community. The programs take place Tuesdays at the Telluride Library at 5.15 p.m. and Wednesdays in Ridgeway at 10.15 a.m. in Hartwell Park. The first punk science kicks off tomorrow, Tuesday the 27th. Montana-based geophysicist Trevor Irons and other members of the SunSpears research team, which studies glacial ice melt and the soils they expose, will lead a workshop on the mysteries of groundwater. The series runs each week through the beginning of August. The hardest part of a book club is getting everyone on the same page. Literally. Well, the Wilkinson Public Library has solved that problem with its newest book club. Participants can be on any page they'd like. The new Beans and Book Club kicks off tomorrow, June 27th at 10 a.m. at Bruno Cafe. And folks are invited to gather over coffee and discuss whatever book they're currently enjoying. Registration is encouraged online at telluridelibrary.org. The club will meet the fourth Tuesday of every month. A new state task force charged with finding solutions to water shortages along the Colorado River is taking shape. KOTO's Lucas Brady-Wood reports lawmakers appointed several of the group's members last week. 
Democrats at the State House created the Colorado River Drought Task Force this spring to come up with water legislation they can put forward next year. House Speaker Julie McCluskey and Senate President Steve Fenberg are responsible for appointing the majority of the 15-member group. So far, they've appointed seven of them. McCluskey's picks include two local water managers, a county commissioner, and representatives from the Cattlemen's Association and the Nature Conservancy. Fenberg chose a southwest Colorado city official and an environmentalist. The task force will hold its first meeting by the end of July. Colorado also just appointed its first full-time commissioner to the multi-state Upper Colorado River Commission. Becky Mitchell will leave her post as the head of the Colorado River Conservation Board to take the job. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods in Denver. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a mostly clear night tonight with a low around 50 degrees and persistent winds. Tuesday brings a slight chance of showers in the afternoon with otherwise dry and sunny conditions and wind gusts as high as 45 miles per hour. Expect clear skies and more wind overnight on Tuesday. The high on Tuesday should be around 80 degrees with a low near 45. Wednesday calls for sun and a high near 80, followed by a clear night with a low near 45 degrees. This has been the news for Monday, June 26th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hi everyone, it's Teddy Erico, producer of the Sunset Music Series up in Mountain Village. Join us this Wednesday as another spectacular sunset lights up the Wilson Range and music fills the air of Sunset Plaza in the Mountain Village. The Sunset Music Series is now in its 23rd season and is one of the region's great summer traditions. This Wednesday is a special treat as Chawa plays the series. All the way from New Orleans, Louisiana, Chawa brings a Mardi Gras Indian style of jazz, funk, and horns up to the Mountain Village. A past Telluride Jazz Festival performer, this show is not to be missed. Attendance is free of charge. Dine-in and to-go meals are available for purchase from many Mountain Village restaurants. Alcoholic beverages purchased from Mountain Village restaurants can also be enjoyed in the expanded common consumption area. Shows begin at 6 p.m. on the lawn near Lift 1 in the Sunset Plaza of the Mountain Village and they are held rain or shine. Presented by the Telluride Mountain Village Owners Association and supporting sponsors. Check the full lineup at sunsetmusicseries.com and connect with the Sunset Music Series on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll see you up there to have some fun. But my people know that it's real this time. Oh yeah, my people we've been left behind. Yeah, been before. My people, devils knocking, devils knocking door. My people. Hi, this is Douglas Tooley, independent candidate for the Mountain Village Town Council. It's Monday, June twenty-sixth. 
2023. The opportunity to speak in this election has been great. Forums on, on Kodo and at the town, five Friday Kodo commentaries, and a new event, a candidate social at Village Court. There are 10 candidates for four seats, including two incumbents. It is a crap shot as to who will win, but given that the golf club has more influence than commonly recognized, I have my suspicions. All the 10 candidates have substantial merit, and I am pleased to have made the acquaintance of all. My educated and experienced voice has been blocked canceled since the presidential election year of 2016. This started with an alleged disruption of the Board of County Commissioners against Brian Ahern and yours truly on January 6th. What in fact occurred was the commissioners had some extra time and decided to engage in negative politics, disrupting their own meeting and blaming the two of us. We'll start the tape with Clerk John Hubner talking about the interview process for the Board of Adjustments, to which Ahern was an applicant. Let's see consideration of appointments of the County Board of Adjustments. I don't know, but some people may have wanted to be here for that. Here's Commissioners May and Good Times bemoaning how much extra time they have. I think we just have to move on to. We just that, so I guess we'll have to move on to the legal yet yeah, because we have a 1045 and that's a half hour away. Here's disruption number one. Can you guys be quiet? I'm going to have to ask you to be quiet, please. Ahern, who I had just met, and I were discussing what had occurred previously, whispering in the back of the room. Okay, stop. I'm going to have to close the meeting and eject both of you unless you stop talking. Thank you. I'm just curious why we're not sticking to the times on the meeting. Okay, we don't stick to the times. We, 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 as you read here, it says times may change, and they did change. And the final strike. Discussion public. You know, when is public discussion? It's we already had public discussion. And the sheriff was called. And so it went in 2016. Locally, all three governments adopted policies against, quote, personal tax. And nationally, NPR reporter Tamara Keith falsely accused Bernie Sanders supporters of superdelegate harassment. And in Nevada, state NPR reporter John Ralston made a false claim about chair throwing at the Nevada convention. Trump won that election, and in 2020, Lauren Boebert won in western Colorado, perhaps just because of these negative Democratic politics pandered to by the oil and gas Democrats, Bennett and Hickenlooper. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to submit your ballot, and please stay engaged. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.